You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 55 for the week of Wednesday, 6th of March, 2013. I'm Adam, and with me tonight are... John. And Ben. This episode is brought to you by Mike's Comics and Stuff and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our toy of the week is Medicom's Alphonse Elric action figure, and our discussion topic is the greatest toy line of all time, contender number one, G.I. Joe. How are you all? Good. Very well. Thank you. Is there anything exciting this week? Uh, anything exciting? Uh, I think I'd have to pass on that one. Mm, pity. Anything <laughs> not exciting that you feel like sharing with us? Uh, um, oh, actually, it was the uh, first day of autumn or fall uh, in, in Australia and right on cue in a city where I live, the very first day of autumn it was cold, windy, raining. It was just, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Typical wow. Canberra day. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Just went from sort of nice weather straight to crap. <laughs> How's spring looking? Um, well, I was sitting at my desk the other day and uh, I'm on the phone. I have a headset. I'm on the phone on a conference call, and I hear what I think is white noise, like somebody had a white noise machine or... They were watching a video of a waterfall or something, and I, I lean my head out of my cube, you know, out, out the door, and there's water pouring from the ceiling about eh, 15 feet from my cube. Nice. <laughs> and and um, when I say pouring, I don't mean like faucet pouring. I mean like, you know, open a bathtub, you oh, know, geez. full, full bore. And it's coming out right by a light socket so uh, or a fluorescent light fixture so uh oh outstanding so that's and, power off and go home or well uh it was like right in like a hall like a hallway between some cubes so there wasn't actually a cube there but uh they um had an eight inch drain in the roof right above that that they'd had held up but it was only held up by like a flexible coupling and it didn't have any support on it so it had like over time came loose <laughs> oh it's pretty crazy <laughs> oh, well. so that pretty much took up most of that afternoon watching them clean up and there was people there to watch and you know work on it Jeez. well that's pretty exciting yeah, yeah that's crazy <laughs> what about you adam no nothing much for me another oh, okay. another boring week really um i got my car service today which has the joy of <laughs> Yeah, it has the joy of uh, I've got a nail in one tyre, so I'll get those fixed next weekend. And um, the bottom seal of the radiator is corroded, which they reckon might hold on till next summer. And when it goes, it'll cost about 500 bucks. Fantastic. Yeah. So, considering the car's 10 years old, it's also time to start considering a replacement car. Mm. Yeah, I'm over transport. I, I just... 
soon as they invent teleportation, I'm first in line. No, you've got to wait till they sort out the issues because you don't want to be the, the early adopter. <laughs> Brundle yeah. fly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what about something in between, like the, the Futurama tubes? <laughs> yeah, that could be good. We definitely want to be the first guy in the morning probably because you don't want, you know, head jammed up someone else's butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, but then everyone else I, might I have dumped on top of you. True. I have pictures of Augustus from uh, Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> the classic yeah, chicken killing version, right? Not the the new version. Oh yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, uh, let's get some get things started with some articulated news. Supernatural. Now you can join the battle between brave Lionheart and the evil Skull and their eerie ghostly. Lion, you're dying now, Master. They change to fight with ghostly might. Turn them into the light, and they change into even more powerful creatures. Now, the me is free. Supernatural. Lionheart, Skull, and Ghostling sold separately. New from Tonka. Articulate News is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. We're not a comprehensive toy news service, but these are just stories that relate to things we're interested in and have caught our eye this week. So, John, I believe the first piece of news is yours. Yeah, I um, was kind of finishing up some Toy Fair browsing um, that was over at the Awesome Toy Blog, and he had a gallery of the Playmobil images from Toy Fair, you know, the official Playmobil pics. And I'm always fascinated by those because they just come up with some of the most interesting stuff. They're kind of like the Lego stuff in a way where, you know, it's generic, but it's not. And um, the one thing that really caught my eye was... uh, they have a sub coming out at a diving suit guy that are mm-hmm. really, really remind me of the abyss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, we've never seen really any figures from that lines, but that, that sub and that diving suit guy just really, really struck me. I mean, they have some other cool stuff too. Obviously they've got boats and planes and um, their, their city stuff is just fascinating. You know, with the stuff they come up with and, and the fairy uh, godmother with the swans and uh, yeah, I, yeah, and knights. And this, and, uh, yeah, this stuff has actually also been around for a long, long time because I um, I had a lot of Playmobil stuff when I was really, really young, about um, four or five. Uh, that was a long time ago. And um, it was something that my grandmother in Holland used to send me. And so I'd get all these great boxes um, for my birthday and Christmas. And I actually still have most of it. I found it again the other day, and the fact they're still going strong with some really impressive stuff. Mm. Yeah, I, I did some looking. They started in 75, I think is what, what Wikipedia says. And um, I I grew up on Air Force Base, and I'm pretty sure that we had some of this stuff available to us before they were kind of released in the States. Because I had, I want to say in about 76 or 77, a dump truck set. And I've got some of the early ones that don't have wrists, so... Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. In fact, some of mine are so early that um, they don't even have the individual leg joints. You used to they they um, flex at the waist, but both legs would go up or down at the same time. I, I think all of the ones that I have are like that. Yeah, I don't think I have any that are that are separated. Their yeah. their other cool yeah. cool thing in this was the uh, advent calendar. If I think that's what that is, is like a museum heist with uh, uh, Bandit and 
police car and a mummy case, and uh, it's pretty neat. They do some yeah. big play sets too. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually got a couple of their play sets I bought for like diorama purposes, some snow yeah. bases and stuff. But, they, you know, they've got definitely their own style and they're just really good looking, good looking things. I yeah. mean, it, it definitely encourage, you know, kids to have a little imagination, which I think is cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hmm. Well, moving on from that, something a little more up what we normally talk about. Um, Toy Master, which I hadn't heard of before, but I'm not really into one six figures, has released a uh, war journalist battlefield um, hero action figure. Uh, you know, he's one six, so he's you know obviously a bigger Hot Toys type scale. But I, I was just fascinated with the amount of equipment he comes with because he's got the mm. you know the photojournalist bag and he's got the SLR. Looks like it's probably a Nikon. And a couple lenses for it, and um, it, it just all fits down in the bag like it should. I, I was just fascinated by that. I, it's pretty cool. It's actually, um, yeah, it's actually a very, very good attention to detail because the um, the shoes that he's wearing are actually Oakley tactical boots. Yeah, I would imagine they probably reuse those for a, a you know a a war figure, but. Yeah, I mean, that's what he would wear out on a battlefield. But I, I I could just see this guy, you know, if you had some hot toys set up, you know, a Tony Stark or, you know, come some kind of Avengers set him kind of off in the corner, you know. Yeah. And is it just me or does he have a, a passing resemblance to Leonardo DiCaprio? It's not just you. <laughs> I want to go and get I a could... Jamie Foxx lookalike and, you know. I can see it now. I hadn't I hadn't picked up on that. I knew he looked like somebody, but... This is the sort of thing that's also really good for kit bashers because um, if you're really into your, your military um, figures, you know, when, when like, the CIA guys go into, um, go into you know, Afghanistan and places like that, they're, they're often just in, you know, really casual dress. Yeah. It's, it's yeah and he's a got lot the... of the uh, Special Forces guys. Mm-hmm. You know, the... The turtleneck and the cargo pants. Yeah, you could reuse them all over the place. Yeah, good looking figure. He, he'd actually make a pretty cool uh, Peter Parker. You know, yeah. And Spider Man. I mean, you could reuse most of that. And change mod- him up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was neat. Very good. Yeah, cool. Fine. My, my last little bit of news. Um, I hadn't seen the pictures of it. The Strange Tales uh, Mini Mate set, which is uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange based with uh, Doctor Strange. It's a four one of the four boxes of Mini Mates. So it's got Doctor Strange, Werewolf by Night, Morbius, Yay. and first first appearance Blade. And um, I will say I was probably not familiar with first appearance Blade. I have always pictured him in the black leather, you know, kind of the Wesley Snipes look. And oh, this okay, is, as opposed to the, the green sunglasses. Yeah, this this isn't that. <laughs> but they they look pretty good. Um, Doctor Strange looks really good. I, I'm sure that's not the first Doctor Strange we've got, but he looks pretty pretty cool. Yeah, mm. I, I love Werewolf by Night, so you know this is um, 
fun set. I, I don't collect mini mates, but that's uh, very impressive. And they've actually really done a good job on Blade. Like they've, they've sort of sculpted the little collar on his leather jacket and he's sort of got these big flared lapels and he's he's built with his stakes etc you know with the afro and yeah it's good good looking piece yeah yeah even the the werewolf by night he's got different hands which i is kind of unusual the way they did his hands he's got little claw hands it looks like are they individually like sculpted claws or are they just painted them <clears throat> separately I, I don't you know, I don't know, but they almost, from the picture, look like individual-type claws. Mm, he looks like he's got um, hair on the back of his hands. Hmm. It's not just painted, either. Yeah, and he's got feet, too, so... Well, I mean, yeah. he's got feet, but he's got furry <laughs> feet. Clawed. Hobbit feet. Clawed bare feet. <laughs> Yeah, I've always loved Werewolf by Night, so it's just a yeah, great, great-looking set. It is. Very cool. Well, All right. Moving along, uh, my first piece of news is uh, a bit of Q&A about Castle Grayskull with uh, everybody's friend, Scott Neatlick. Um, <laughs> from, from reading through it, it basically sounds like... Um, we're not changing anything to suit you guys. We'll change stuff to suit ourselves. Uh, read to make it cost less. Um, there are some things you may not like. Suck it up. And um, <laughs> P.S. Ken has money. And, mm. like, realistically, um, I mean, I've... I've been pretty critical of the way this whole thing's been carried out. I've been pretty critical of the whole idea of having a sub-only line, and this is basically what, if I was considering getting into this line, I would have been fearing. Um, it just seems to show, I don't know about you guys, it seems to show a complete disrespect for um, the people buying the product, particularly when it is a collector-only pretty much line. I Yes, it's for collectors only. Yes, you are shafting them in every way possible, and yet you want them to come back for more. Yeah. I still... Oh, I think... The cost of that, I don't see where it's going. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I've always been on things like play sets. You know, we, we talk about how we don't get play sets now because of the, the cost, but if, if you bring out the right play set... Um, you know, I, I'm sure that there'd be many collectors who would jump at the idea of, um, you know, vehicles and, and play sets, irrespective of cost, if they're just done well. Uh, some things are just worth it, but yeah, I don't know, 250 bucks. But it it's 250 bucks, and from all the photos that I've seen, it's not you know, great shakes on the uh, 80s vintage. Set, like no, yes. Well, I did, yeah, they've, yeah. They've painted the roofs. Yes, thank you. Uh, that was what was, my eighties one was missing. Yeah, and you have to wonder whether this is actually going to drive up the price of the vintage one because people will look at it and Amanar and Amanar and then go, oh, you know what? I'd really like it, but it's just too much. I wonder what the vintage one's going for. Oh, look, you can pick those up for a pretty reasonable price. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. I mean, minor modding is all you need, right? Yeah, well, the original one was very impressive. It was. 
the the thing I don't get is why does it cost so much when they own the license? You know, this isn't like a line like Star Wars where, oh, hey, we're going to put out this huge Millennium Falcon for 200 bucks, right? And part of that fee goes to Lucas, right? But they own the license for this. Well, more I think they'll just put a down to tooling costs and the cost of plastic. I get that. But at the same time, they've said that they're limiting the number that they'll make. They've said that there will be limited, if any, day of sale extras, right? Apart from, you know, what's already on pre-order. So they're, they're already saying, you know, if you drop out of your pre-order, you cancel your pre-order, don't expect you're going to be able to get a day of sale. But they know that this is one of the higher, most highly desired items they got. Explain. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, m- most of the cost does come from the tooling and not just the tooling of actually sculpting pieces, but actually producing the dies, that, as in the, the metal dies they use to press the plastic. Uh, that That is a very expensive uh, process, but... I mean, the reason why you can buy those giant plastic storage tubs for, for $9 is because the the dies, once they're built, they just, they, you know, produce hundreds of thousands of these storage tubs to ship around the world. And I, I suppose if you're having these dies produced for this castle and you're only turning out 10,000 of them, then, you know, you just don't get that return on the investment. So, yeah, I get that. But so the clear response is churn out more? I'm sure there's the market for it. That's my point, right? And I'm sure they'll get through their initial 10,000 and have, you know, another 10,000 people demanding, oh, I'd like one, but, you know, I wasn't able to get on the pre-order and then it cost too much and, 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 and they'll churn out another couple thousand and they'll churn out another couple thousand and another couple and another couple and another couple. I think it'll be very interesting when the first reviews hit. I think if the, those early reviews are really, really positive, I think it'll stimulate a lot more interest and they might find themselves being able to shift more and I guess we'll just see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll move on from that one uh, to something a bit more whimsical, I'll say, um, which is that uh, Bandai, I think it's Bandai Tamashi Bluefin, pretty much... Um, D-Art's Pokemon Blastoise figure. So, um, for those that... Gesundheit. Yeah. For those that aren't aware, um, or aren't Pokemon literate, seriously, what the hell have you been doing for the last 15-odd years? I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> actually, it's almost 20 years, I would think. Anyway, um, so Blastoise is, you know, the final evolutionary form of uh, Squirtle, um, after you've gone to a Wartortle, from memory. And um, so he's one of the larger Pokemon. He's, you know, kind of, I don't know, a two-story building maybe in size. Someone will correct me and tell me I'm wrong. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. Um, So he's come out. uh, Well, it's been announced. He's going for around 40 bucks probably, and he'll probably be out in June. Um, It's interesting because so far I think the only other ones that I've seen for Pokemon from D-Arts was um, there was a Charizard. Uh, which is other, another really big one, and a Mewtwo, which is not that big in in the game, or cartoon, or comics. Um, so I'm not sure that the scale is going to work for these guys, but he'll be probably the same scale as Charizard, which will be all right. Um, articulation-wise, he looks he looks pretty good, really. Uh, it looks like he's got a 
He comes with an alternate head. He comes with, you know, water cannon, or it should be for hydro pump blasts. Uh, looks like his jaw opens and closes. He's got, you know, toe articulation, ankle articulation. Looks like hip swivels, wrists, shoulders, elbows, neck. Looks like the um, water pumps part of his uh, shell moves. So it looks like a fairly detailed figure, considering that it's a very simple character design that they're presenting you with. Hmm. He's cute. So is this someone they've actually made before? Um, I'm sure he would have been made in some other line, in some other scale, but he hasn't been done before in this line. So. Mm. But, I mean, you know, Pokemon kids will love it, and, well, Pokemon kids that have grown up will love it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I'm sure, what they're planning on, and good luck to them. Excellent. Uh, moving on from that, we've had our um, our first IR... <clears throat> high-res images of Series 10 of the LEGO minifigs. There's, uh, once again, a, a fair selection that looks like... Um, what do we got here? We've got a, a Native American Indian. Um, we've got a painter. We've got some kind of Amazonian-looking lady with a spear. That's uh, Xena. Is it actually meant to be Xena? I don't know, but it sure looks like her. Oh, I think they tend to skirt around the uh, the licensing thing. Yeah, I'll pay that as Xena. Um, there's a sea captain. There's a uh, a baseball player. There's a a mime. Um, there's someone that looks like it's probably there for Paris Hilton, or whatever the name of it. Uh, Nicole Richie. Um, there's a a gold statue man. No, he's he's a robot guy. Haven't you ever really? seen Euro Trip? He looks exactly like, you know, the, the gold statue guys that stand in the middle of malls and do the, I'm a statue, but wait, if you put money in, I'll dance or move or whatever. Um, I'm going to have to send you a clip. Okay. I can find it. Um, there's uh, the construction worker from Village People. Um, I think he might be a biker. No. He's got a He's wrench. He's got tattoos. And a wrench and a hard hat. <laughs> well, that's like a stocking cap, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we'll continue to disagree. <laughs> um, there's a librarian, by the look of her. Uh, a newspaper editor I'm going with. There's um, some kind of paintball person. or It's that, or you yeah. know, he's an alien shooter, but it looks like paintball to me. Yeah, I think yeah, that's paintball. Some kind of uh, Roman warrior. Um, there's an evil mermaid. It's scary looking. Medusa. It's definitely Medusa. I'll pay that. Pretty um, sure. There's a skydiver looking character, a uh, bumblebee lady, and um, what's probably meant to be, you know, either Washington or Napoleon. Well, it wouldn't be Napoleon. He doesn't have a hat, but, you know, some kind of that era person. Um, American Revolutionary Soldier is what people are calling him. So there you go. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, looks like a fun selection again. Um, and I don't think there's really much more to say on that one. <laughs> the final piece of news that I have is um, there's a new Red 5 X-Wing set coming out um, from LEGO. It'll be going for $200 US. Um, 
250 Canadian and uh, you can work out the math more or less or just go read about it. Um, so you get an R2-D2. Oh, yeah. So what's different between this and sort of the previous X-Wing releases? Is it is it bigger or is it just, um, you know, the indicia on it, um, you know, indicating that it's Luke's or...? I'm not really sure, but I don't know if they've done a Red 5 before or whether they've just done, um, like, Rogue Leader or just a generic uh, Red Wing... Eh, not Red, X-Wing. Um, mm. But, yeah. So I'm not exactly sure, but realistically I don't think people that aren't heavily into Lego Star Wars and making sure they've got all the, the different sets will really care that much. I think, you know, the casual Star Wars Lego person probably goes, ooh, an X-Wing, I'll get that. And yeah, off yeah. they go. <laughs> but that's just now, me. What a, does it come with a Luke? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't seem to. It comes with an R2. It's like one of their display pieces, which I thought was odd that... Okay, we're going to throw R2 in there, but not... Yeah. Oh, that's a fair comment. Um... I'm not sure why they wouldn't include Luke. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, especially, you know, when you you want to create a Death Star run or what have you, surely you want to have Luke sitting in the cockpit. But, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, mm. quite a big set, really, when you look at it. It's 1,500-odd um, pieces and, you know, nearly uh, a foot long and... I guess the height that they've listed is when it's on a stand because that's uh, 52 centimetres tall, which is pretty lot, pretty tall. Um, mm. I have to say, the, the classic Star Wars Lego is something that I, I really struggle to avoid. Like I always go into Toys R Us and places like that and, and I see any of the, the sort of the classic sets, like the, the, the Hoth battle and things like that, and it's really, really difficult to resist and... I decided that the only set that I was going to get was going to be the Millennium Falcon, and when I went back to get it, it was gone, and I haven't seen it since. And it's bloody expensive to get it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Second. Um, yeah, look, I don't have a problem with any of it. It's just a case of it takes up so much space to display. Like, yeah. they're all, all the sets that you want, or that you're probably going to want from um, classic Star Wars, or, or more or less any of the Star Wars lines, are massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they still seem to be cranking good stuff out. So they certainly do. Be helping keeping Lego alive. And, That's um, right. Yeah. Apparently, Lego are, are now uh, in the top two, depending on what stats you go on of um, toy manufacturers at the moment. Wouldn't surprise me. So I think they've knocked off Hasbro, and they're competing with Mattel, pretty much. So there you go. Yeah. I think that's uh, my news, so we'll hand over to you, Ben. Yeah, very good. Uh, there was a new Sideshow pre-order up this week, and that is the Ultron on Throne statue. Um, and no, it's not Ultron sitting on the toilet. That's Ultron sitting on an actual throne. Um, it's come out at a perfect time, just as Marvel is about to launched their Age of Ultron um, crossover where no doubt um, the Marvel Universe will be shaken to its very core and nothing will remain the same and everything you know and will change forever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until next year's big crossover. 
Someone will but, die. Um, oh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not everyone will make it out alive um, until they come back the following year. Uh, I mean, this is a great-looking piece. It's, it is, as it says, it's Ultron. He's sitting on a big sort of metal chrome, you know, HR Giga-style throne, um, and he's got his uh, right hand is up in the air, and it's holding a, an Ant-Man helmet. And the Sideshow exclusive comes with a swap-out uh, hand holding the Vision's head. Um, and so he's sort of staring into it uh, Shakespeare style. And, uh, I, I mean, it, it's a beautiful-looking piece. It's also $350. Um, uh, it is a, a large piece, and it's well done. And, I mean, it says it's classic Ultron, but the sculptors have added their own little niche bits to it. Um, so it is an Ultron as he first appeared in, in the Avengers. The, this one's a little more sophisticated with a lot more lines and plates and, and things like that that even changed the, the basic structure of his antenna. Um, so, you know, a, a little disappointing. I would have liked to have seen him just that little bit more classic, classic Ultron, but um, certainly a fantastic piece, but you'd have to be pretty darn dedicated to go 350 bucks for that one. Um, in other news, one that was um, pretty much blew me away, actually, and that is that uh, Ashley Wood, the uh, the illustrator who is well-known for doing 3A toys, um, if you don't know Ashley Wood's work, he is um, mainly known for his series that's um, WWRP, which is World War Robot Portable, uh, which is a series of sort of wacky robots in this sort of post-apocalyptic type environment they're all sort of rusty and and you know they're quite often quite stout barrel shaped type things and some of them can go for uh, huge prices um he has announced that he is partnering with marvel comics and they are going to bring an epic line of one-sixth scale figures uh ashley also hinted that he was already at work on a doctor doom um, he loves Marvel Comics and the characters and said he'd love to bring us a 25-inch Galactus, etc. So I think um, for me personally, uh, this is going to be terrifying. Um, I, I've always said that um, I'm glad that Hot Toys don't do comic-accurate Marvel characters. I'm not a big fan of the movie representation, so I, I've no concerns um, about, you know, I can easily avoid the... Uh, the Avengers-styled Marvel character Hot Toys figures. But, um, I mean, if Ashley is, you know, he, he brings out very high-end pieces and um, if he can bring them out with a, a Hot Toys flavour, um, yeah, that'll really concern me a lot. Um, don't know, I'll just have to wait and see, I think. Also depends on who he brings out and how they bring it out. I mean, if it's the sort of thing where... You know, we get four different Wolverines before we get uh, another character. So, don't know, don't know, Adam. You're uh, you're actually scaling down rather than up. Uh, anything? Is there any character that would pique your interest? Uh, uh, it would depend. <laughs> um, I mean, Spider-Man would be nice, but I I don't know where I would put it. That's the problem yeah. I have with that scale. I don't know about you, John, but, you know, I've always had issues with something that scale. I just don't know where I'm going to fit it. I I like them. I just, you know, without having anything to go with it, it's 
it's hard for me to go, yeah, that's what I want to do, but... Just the one figure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think 12-inch scale figures, too, you you have to really give the person the bang for their buck. I mean, if you're collecting um, 12-inch scale military figures and you're paying a couple of hundred dollars for them, you really do usually get... Um, you know, a, a great package. They're often kitted out with tons of gear, um, not only their, their combat gear, but you get weapons galore and removable bits and all this really fun stuff. But to get a 12-inch scale sort of high-end Spider-Man figure, I mean, you're basically looking at a at a buck, you know, with a um, with a, a elastic suit over it. Um, so, you know, there has to be some, some clever thinking going into that. I mean, the obvious way to market... Spider-Man would be one of those sort of high-end packages that comes with a Peter Parker, um, you know, identity as well. Yeah. But then how much time am I spending swapping yeah. costumes? So. Well, yeah. I mean, you never would. You, you know, well, just leave any spandex. Yeah. How long do you think it'll be before we'll actually see anything from these, though? Um, well, actually, you'd say that he was underway with some prototypes, so... Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, look, I'm I'm more than happy to wait. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm fortunate with Marvel that that my favourite characters, um, you know, are do include the big guns. So it's not like I'd be, you know, poor old Adam would be waiting pretty much forever for his 12-inch scale jubilee. Um, whereas, you know, I'm almost assured that that Captain America or Thor are going to be in the first half a dozen figures. So. Probably not Shang Chi. Wait, see. Well, I just have to kit bash a Shang Chi, so I'll just get the uh, the uh, Hot Toys Bruce Lee and you know throw him in there. Why haven't you already done Um, that? (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't collect twelve inch scale figures. The only things I actually have are um, the Hot Toys Predators. Fair enough. Uh, which is odd since I, you know, reviewed my 12-inch Leon figure some time ago and I'm reviewing a 12-inch scale figure tonight and, hmm, okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right, well, my last piece of news is um, the complete opposite to the Ashley Wood Marvel announcement and um, this is quite depressing and that is that uh, NECA have said that they're unlikely to do any of the other characters from uh, Predator. Um, the, the Predator NECA line has been cranking along, um, bringing us the various incarnations of, um, of the, the actual Predator aliens. But as we've, we've re- sorry, reported a couple of times, um, we're finally getting the Major Dutch Schaefer, the Arnold Schwarzenegger figures. We're getting a couple of variations um, of that particular figure. And so people like myself got really excited about that. We thought we were actually going to get um, more of the gang from Predator, but Randy Falk announced that they don't have the likeness rights, which means they'd have to pursue them. And obviously they, they just don't seem to see the, that the effort being rewarded. Um, I, I'm really, really disappointed. I, I honestly thought that we would get, um, you know, I thought we'd get Blaine uh, and maybe Mac, um, maybe Dylan. Um, and I actually thought that someone like Blaine, who was, of course, uh, Jesse Ventura, would be 
um, you know, reasonably cheap on the tooling because the minigun that he used was they've already um, sculpted one of those for the the um, Terminator Arnold figure from Terminator Two. So I just assumed that they would reuse that for Blaine and I don't know. Um, most of the guys, you know, they could you know reuse a lot of the weapons. Uh, most of those guys were using sort of MP5s and that sort of thing. So. Very disappointing. Um, I really thought we'd be able to kit out the team. I, I probably didn't expect to get guys like, um, you know, Billy or Hawkins, but I, I thought the other major characters might get a look in. So, yeah, very disappointed. Thanks a lot, Necker. Well, I, I, I got a lot of respect for him, though, actually coming out and saying that. You know? Yeah. Because there's other companies that wouldn't do that. They would, you know, just leave you hanging and, well, we might do it, you know? But they have to actually have them come out and say it. I, I think that's kind of kind of cool. Oh yeah, it doesn't ease the pain though. No, the I, I know. Just... The void. <laughs> the fact that you can anyway, another custom, and you know, just go get your um, Cal Weathers from the Rocky line, and off you go. That's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's my news. Very good. Uh, unless anyone's got any last-minute additions, I'll say that wraps up the articulated news, and we'll be right back with the next installment of the AFB podcast game. Name that. Now it's time for everybody's favourite podcast game, Name That. Our good friend John, aka Engineer Nerd from TVandFilmToys.com, presents us with an action figure sound, and the aim of the game is to guess where it's from. So, over to you, John. I have to say I'm disappointed. I thought that by this point, somebody would have got this one. You can change it to a landwalker and a mighty fortress. Nine-volt battery not included. Sold separately. Enemy attacking! So, uh, gentlemen, any any guesses on what this is? I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> Same. I listened to it and I was just like, no, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, huh? I, I figured. I, I figured you'd get this one, Scott. Me? Yeah, you. No. <laughs> that, Justin? How about you? Uh-uh, any, no. any guesses? <laughs> you get. You guys are gonna die on this one. It's a um commercial for the Shira Crystal Castle. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. So, I, I, I even went kind of the Masters of the Universe route, and uh, I changed it up a bit. I, I, I think that was quite clever because I just, it sounded so kind of girl choily to me, I was just like, nope, no idea. <laughs> no. Yeah, I... I I, I was actually looking for Barbie stuff, and I, I came across that. I was like, oh, okay. You were looking for Barbie stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was just eBay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you done stumped us, John. That's good. Good. I try. So we'll, we'll move on to this week's sound. Your skill puts them together. Mechanical precision brings them to life. Build, customize, mobilize. And one more time. Your skill puts them together. Mechanical precision brings them to life. 
build, customize, mobilize. Well, if you think you can identify that sound, why don't you come on over to the AFB forum and, and leave us a guess there, because, uh, you know, guessing's fun, and uh, you may just help <laughs> somebody else figure it out, too. So uh, hopefully we can get this one, and somebody will will get awarded, uh, you know, one of those infamous forum points. <laughs> I hear they're pretty, pretty cherished, I hear. Uh, they are. So coming up next, we will have the Toy of the Week. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week. Each episode, we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. These might be new releases, or we might talk about a favourite or bizarre items for our collections. Uh, so this week, Ben has Toy of the Week. Over to you, Ben. Thank you very much, Adam. And this week, I am looking at Alphonse Elric. Uh, now, El- Alphonse Elric is a real action hero, apparently. Uh, according to Medicom Toy, who is the manufacturer of this toy, um, Medicom have done many uh, figures in their Real Action Hero uh, line. Now, this figure, for people who don't know who Alphonse Elric is, he's actually one half of the Elric brothers from the Japanese anime Full Metal Alchemist. Um, I could go into detail, but let's just say that it's about two boys who, uh, after they lose their remaining parent, after their mother passes away, um, they use their alchemist, their alchemy powers to try and resurrect their mother, which goes against everything that um, alchemy stands for. It's a a big no-no. And uh, let's just say everything goes horribly pear-shaped and one of the brothers, the full metal alchemist, loses an arm and a leg and the other one, basically his entire body is destroyed. But um, at the last minute, he uh, manages to transfer Alphonse's um, spirit into a giant set of armour that belonged to their father. And so... Um, Alphonse is a a young boy who gets around in this massive suit of armour while he and his brother go on assorted adventures. Um, If you weren't aware, Formula Alchemist is actually the most successful anime in Japanese anime history. So, this figure, um, it came out, I'm pretty sure it's been out a while, um, and when I say a while, it came out in late 2011 for us uh, Western folk, but I'm pretty sure you could actually pick him up in places like Japan um, much, much earlier than that. So, uh, And I picked this figure up not that long ago because um, I actually don't mind the series. I'm not an anime buff by any means, but uh, I do enjoy bits and pieces here and there, and, and I've been watching the show and knew the figure existed, and it wasn't until I actually saw him on sale that I decided to actually go ahead and pick him up. Now, this figure, if you look online, goes for all sorts of prices. Um, There's not a consistent price to be found, but if you go to some of the uh, more well-known stores like um, Big Bad Toy Store, one of our sponsors, um, you pay anywhere in the vicinity of sort of 200 to 220 US for this figure. Now, uh, he is 
big um, scale. Now, he's supposed to be 1.6 scale, which means he clocks in at over 12 inches or 30 centimetres tall. Um, because he's a suit of armour, he's quite broad, both um, across the shoulders and sort of through the chest. Uh, it's a, a big, chunky figure. Now, um, as far as the packaging goes, it's the pretty sort of standard window box flipbook. So that means it um, comes in a, a great big box that has that flap on the front that you can uh, can open. The the box is sort of fairly sort of simply adorned, I guess you'd say. There are photos of the figure, but the the front flap also actually features art um, from the actual comic. Um, covered in some sort of Japanese text with um, minimal English. Now, the box is actually quite large. If you've got any of the uh, sort of standard Hot Toys figures or maybe a DC Direct 13-inch figure, um, the box is sort of about a bit, bit slightly taller, that slightly wider, but much, much deeper. Um, it's a, it's a fair-sized box just because of the size of the figure. All right, well, is it collector-friendly? Uh, it is, actually. Um, I, I mentioned uh, some episodes ago about the way the, uh, the, the Bandai SH Monster Arts Godzilla figures are packaged, and, and this has a similar sort of process. Um, you basically get your, your plastic tray uh, that the figure lays in, and then there's a second tray that actually sits on top, but it has that little... Um, oh, John, you're an engineer, you can help me here. One of the, the plastic trays has the little circle and the other plastic tray has the little square, so you can actually press them into each other and it sort of locks in place. That's a good way to describe it. I'd use that as an engineering <laughs> term. It has a locking thingy. Excellent. A locking thingy. Well, it actually has about um, nine of these locking thingies all around the outside, plus sort of one in that, that sort of groin area. So it really does hold him uh, in place well, so you, you can easily... Um, sort of put the figure back and, and put it back on your shelf if you um, you know don't have a, a glass display case or something like that. So yeah, so I'd say it's actually collector friendly. It's nicely styled. Now onto the figure himself. He's a, a pretty cool looking figure. He's obviously this big suit of armor with a sort of spikes and that with some um, you know some fun styling. Um, he has a loincloth for some bizarre reason, given that he's actually in a suit of armour, but who knows what they were thinking when they designed it. Um, the loincloth is actually made of material with a, a belt held in place with little sort of Velcro straps that are, they seem quite strong and they're actually nicely out of the way, so it's not the sort of thing that will sort of rub or come loose over time. Um, when it comes to articulation, uh, actually, before I get on to articulation, the first thing you notice when you take this figure out of the packaging uh, is the weight, uh, or more to the point, the lack of. Um, this figure is actually rotocast, or rotocast, which means he's hollow, it means his joints are hollow, his torso is hollow, so there's actually not a huge amount of weight um, to it. Uh, you know, he basically would probably be uh, barely half what one of the Hot Toys Predators would weigh. Um, I don't know, is that is that good? Is that bad? I think for the price, you'd kind of expect a little bit more. He feels a little too kind of cheapish when it comes to that. Um, articulation is a little peculiar. I think I counted up about 22 points of articulation, which it, it does sound like a lot, but it's actually not. Um, the articulation... 
I think there's even a warning on the box that basically says that um, there's a, a good chance that you won't be able to get the figure into the same positions as the poses featured on the box. So please be warned before you purchase, which is incredibly odd. I mean, why you would go out of your way to pose a figure uh, in a position that can't be replicated is, is very, very strange. Um, so, look, he basically, the, the one that you notice straight away is he has no lateral movement in his arms, uh, which is very disappointing. His arms move forward and back. Um, he has a, a sort of a, it's not quite a bicep, it's between the bicep and the shoulder, and he rotates. Um, so, sort of a ball socket. The shoulder, uh, sorry, the elbows have a, a cut joint on a 45 degree angle. So, when you raise the arm, it sort of comes up at a bit of a strange angle instead of coming. Um, forward away from the body it sort of comes up across the body um, so which is a, a little sort of awkward um, the hands basically have a cut joint which um, appears as a cut joint but he actually has swap out hands which I'll get to shortly so you've got a very limited range of movement um, there you can just rotate it left or right there's a, a cut joint for the waist, um, no joint in the, the actual torso, so you don't get an ab crunch or anything like that. The uh, hips have the same kind of movement as um, the, the elbows. They just have that sort of rotating sort of cut joint. Um, the knees are the same again, that 45-degree um, cut joint, but you do actually get a – you can rotate the – the shins, I guess you'd call them, just under the knee. But because of the styling of the armour, it's actually very, very limited in how far they move. If anything, it's just sort of good for moving that that sort of fraction of a of a an inch or a couple of millimetres, I guess, to just sort of ensure that he stands flat. Um, and then the ankle is much the same. You get a, a forward and move, forward and backwards movement. It's um, a type of ball joint, and you get a. It's I guess it's an ankle rocker, but the, the amount of movement is really again restricted by the the styling of the armor. So obviously the designers have had to work with that when they've designed the figure. But uh, I guess it's just that that little disappointing. So. Um, he probably just looks best standing up um, and, and looking uh, imposing with his arms by his sides because there really is really not a, a huge amount you can actually do with him. Um, as far as accessories go, there are very few. He has um, the swap-out hands, so the, the hands that he comes with are fists, and you can swap them out to the um, karate chop hands. And... You can get a, a few interesting little things going. One of the things I thought was quite um, amusing is I was actually messing around and moving his head when his head popped off. Hmm. And um, that, as it turns out, is a, a deliberate thing. Um, as part of the process of creating Alphonse and, and transferring his spirit, his brother actually puts some um, sort of ritualistic markings uh, as... Um, a type of seal, and um, that seal can be seen underneath uh, his head when you take it off. And one of the sort of recurring sort of jokes in the TV show is that, um, you know, you can pop off Alphonse's head um, and nothing will happen because there's basically nothing inside. Um, there's no actual body inside because he's a, a spirit within the armour. So you can do the old, um, you know, chasing your head around as it rolls down the street. Hmm. 
Um, his ponytail type thingy has a, a, a large sort of ribbon ponytail thing coming off the top of his helmet. Um, is It's not actually um, posable. It's just solid plastic. It's very, very... Uh, I wouldn't sort of stress it too much. I'd be concerned because it's joined at a very, very small point on the top of his helmet. So the playability and posability is... Sorry, man. Does it does it come out or does it is it permanently attached? It is permanently attached. It's it's glued on. So, um, so the playability and the the posability is uh, is restricted a little bit. But moving on to paint, um, the the paint is actually very very good. The um, the the I guess the silver of his armor. Uh, is really, really nicely done. I can't quite tell whether it's painted or whether it's it's cast. I think in some areas it looks like... It's almost like you can pick up that it's both. Um, the the colouring is very nicely done. It, it does sort of give you that um, semi-gloss metallic look. Um, I mean, there's not exactly a lot to him. Biggest disappointment is on a couple of places, it looks like they've done a bit of a wash where the armour joins uh, just under the chest. They've just sort of um, put the black wash into the grooves just to sort of separate it a little bit. But I've actually noticed with mine, it's actually still wet. Like if I run my finger over it, I can actually smudge the black wash, um, which is, you know, very, very disappointing. I just, I don't understand how that sort of thing can actually be released out of the factory. Um, you know, this figure's probably been in its box for several months yet, you know, to still actually have, um, you know, wet decaling is uh, is very ordinary. So it's... Um, there's not a great deal of other colour on him. There's some black in the joints. There's some sort of brown panelling under, um, under his arms, just on his sides. That's sort of fairly simply done as well. The eyes are nicely done. They've actually centred them quite well so they don't they're not off in any way um just having a bit of a look there's no indication as to who sculpted or painted the feet of the feet. and i think yeah so look there is actually a companion piece you can actually get his brother edward uh edward is actually human so because he's one six scale and he's a boy he's actually very small he's probably only about seven inches tall huh. um i for the price that I paid for this figure, um, I think it's it's reasonable. However, if I had have paid full price, I would have been very, very disappointed. I mean, this figure is well and truly into the, the price range of a Hot Toys figure, um, yet it doesn't have any of the Hot Toys um, standouts. It doesn't have the range of um, posing, like the articulation is not there, the posability is not there. Um, there's the obvious paint app issues that I just mentioned. Uh, so it's, you know, very disappointing. So, uh, gosh, I think if he wasn't such a, a, a kick-ass looking figure, um, I'm a sucker for a suit of armour, um, I think I'm going to give this guy a six dollies out of ten. Wow. So... With the rotocasting, do you think that that's part of the reason that there's limited um, articulation? 
Yeah, he he does actually have what you would call rotocasting articulation. You can see why they've done some of the things they've chosen, such as the the cut joint in the knee. Um, I mean, that is very peculiar. It's a 45-degree cut joint in the knee, uh, which means when you bend his leg, if, you, if you're sort of holding him in front of you and he's facing you and you, you bend his lower leg backwards, it actually starts to turn in towards his other leg. It doesn't mm-hmm. just go straight back. Um, so it's, yeah. I, I mean, it, he's at his best just standing there, um, doing his thing, but it would be nice to have the options of putting him into some cool action poses. Hmm. hmm. So, so what's, what's under the loincloth? I know you looked. Uh, just more armor. <laughs> Nothing exciting whatsoever. No, no surprises, huh? No surprises. No. Hmm. So he's not packing a monster. <laughs> no. But probably packing, like packing some hard steel, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's probably you're a bit more disappointed than uh, some of the rest of us with that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll leave you to to uh, your um, your grief and uh, wrap up toy of the week. So when we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure! I'm Bill S. Preston Esquire! And I'm Ted Theodore Logan in concert! And I make them play! Speaker connects to figures and most cassette players to make figures play music! Now on drums, that bodacious barbarian Genghis Khan! Yeah, our new pal from old China! Excellent! Let's rock and roll! Squeezing their legs gets them jamming! Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure! Party on, dudes! We're all here because we collect, so Feeding the Addiction is where we take time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders that we've made in the last week or two since we've had a chat to each other. So, we'll start with... uh, Let's go for John. John, what have you got in the last few days? Well, uh, my friend more than hooked me up with some G.I. Joe Creos, which are... I don't know if you guys saw these, but they are... um, Lego style, you know, they're the Hasbro Lego style minifigures, and uh, the G.I. Joe ones are out. They're blind bagged. They have some sets too, but the blind bag ones are really hot right now. Um, and he hooked me up with a rock and roll and a quick kick. And quick kick's <laughs> kind of cool. He comes with a um, fudgy bar, which is, if you've seen the cartoon, it's he was introduced as a stuntman and he was doing a commercial for these frozen fudgy bars. So. It's a neat little <laughs> item to throw in there. They're they're kind of a a cross between Lego because they're about that size. The um, Mega Blocks kind of joints, and then you know they've got accessories kind of like a, a Mini Mate. So they're kind of like a weird combination of all of them. So that's kind of I'm kind of impressed. I I gotta give this some more thought. So but they're they're kind of cool. A- it's a logical extension because it's Hasbro, isn't it? So they already own the license for the characters. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people wanted Lego to, to do them, but, um, you know, why would Hasbro do that, you know, when they can do it themselves? So, mm, that's right. Yeah, fair enough. It's pretty cool. But, but, but speaking of Lego, I also um, I was at Walmart last weekend. Uh, I, I'm desperate for the chicken suit guy, so... 
I, I saw the display <laughs> and I was like feeling around and I, I, I thought I had him and I came home and it was the, the Dr. Jekyll with the top hat and the little purple <laughs> flask. And I was like, oh, that's not the chicken soup guy. <laughs> well, just last night I went back and some people had knocked the display on the floor, which is something totally different. Excellent. I thought I'm going to give I'm going to just see you. I'm going to just pick up a couple real quick and see if I can figure out, you know, if there are any other cool ones. And uh, I picked up one, and the very first one I picked up, I was about 90% positive it was the chicken suit guy. So I was like, okay, I'm not even going to look at it anymore. I'm just going to grab him, go. And I got home, and sure enough, I got the chicken suit guy. So I am, I'm really happy. <laughs> awesome. Good day. And uh, Ben, anything for you? Yeah, I picked up this um, this Medicom action figure. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's um, Alphonse Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, I heard they had some quality issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll talk about it sometime. Uh, fair mm. enough. Nothing else? <laughs> no, no. Cool. Well, I myself uh, managed to score the ultimate Hawkeye, or, you know, the ultimate essentially lookalike, Hawkeye from the um, Marvel Avengers three and three quarter line um, at my local Kmart, so that was a good one. Um, yeah. I also got my um, my Baghead Spider Man finally arrived. Well, finally, you know, took like a week or, or two to get here, um, <laughs> so that was good. Um, and that was, you know, kindly paid for by people that have been buying figures that I'm offloading. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, yep, yeah, no worries, and. Uh, the other thing that I did was order a bunch of the um, Nintendo DS line of Pokemon games um, because I, I'm an addict and um, I, <laughs> I'd somehow convinced myself that I wasn't an addict for a, a few years. I, uh, I missed a few and now I've gone back and got them. So Good on you. They'll arrive and, you know, suck hours and hours and days out of my lives. So that'll be good fun. That's the definition of video games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know... Pokemon games are basically designed for people with addictive behaviour, so they know they've got us on the hook. Every time they release a new yeah. one and there's a new Pokemon in it, we have to get it. <laughs> All right. Well, if no one's got anything else to talk about, let's move on to a red card and uh, tell people that they've been bad. Yes. <laughs> What is this bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, complete failures of action figures or worse, and in this case, completely other than that entirely. So this week's penalty goes is handed out by Ben. Thank you, thank you very much. Um I've got a couple of Toys R Us in, in my town. I've got one about two minutes away from where I work and the other's uh, about a sort of five-minute drive in the opposite direction from my house. And I don't actually go to that one very often, but um, I was in the vicinity, so I thought I'd sort of drop in and I ended up um, picking up a few more of the uh, Playmates Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles figures, the four-inch line, because uh, I hadn't actually seen the Krangs. And so I, um, I picked up a couple of those uh, and also picked up a gift for a friend's son. Um, and so I, I picked up a grand total of four items and I went to the register and paid for them. 
And at the end of the transaction, the lady there hands me the biggest receipt I've ever seen in my entire life. She hands me this spool of paper. And I thought, good grief, what is this woman handing? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but normally when I get a receipt for something, I, I fold it up and put it in my wallet and, you know, dig it out a couple of months later and probably throw it away. But this piece of paper was absolutely gigantic. And I actually thought at first there might have been, you know, one of those cases where the, the previous person's receipt was, was still sticking out of the, the printer and they've handed you two receipts or something. And... I had a look, and no, it's just one gigantic receipt. And I just thought, in this day and age where you, you often see businesses making a bit of an effort to be environmentally friendly, they they get rid of plastic bags in favour of paper, or they might even get sort of the biodegradable plastic bags. And, you know, you often see them doing their little bit. And I thought, well, well done, Toys R Us. I buy four items and you hand me this gigantic receipt. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, how big can it be? Well... Um, this receipt from top to bottom measures 55 centimetres or, or almost 22 inches in length. A two-foot receipt. I got a two-foot receipt for four items. And you're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, there's bound to be something on that, that receipt, you know, that's of some use, maybe some kind of discount coupon for your next visit or something like that. No, no, it's not. Um... My four items on the receipt take up a grand total of one inch. And the rest is all about the, the location. In case you need to find it again, they've included their, uh, their address. Uh, I'm getting told to sign up to their website for exclusive offers. Um, I get assorted bank details, which are just a whole bunch of codes. Uh, there's also the advice that I can uh, tell them what I think about their store by visiting toysrus.com and uh, filling out a survey, which was tempting. Um, and I also get told that I should keep this receipt in case I want to bring anything back. Um, so I'll have to, you know, buy an all-new storage container just to put it in. Uh, and then, of course, there's the good old guarantee that, you know, things can't be excluded under the Australian consumer law. And I get told to come back again soon and thanks for their support. So, quite the epic Two-foot receipt, four action figures, environmentally friendly fail. Toys R Us, I'll... you get my red card of the week. Now I want to go over to my Toys R Us and buy four items just to see how long the receipt is. <laughs> well, that's what I'd like everybody to do between now and the next episode. Go and buy a couple of things from Toys R Us and tell us how long your receipts are. But surely it Oh, just... that sounds bad. Surely it just says something like, you know... Four-inch action figure, four-inch action figure, four-inch action figure, four-inch action figure, because we all know how good their point of sale is. Well, it does, actually, um, because I got three of the items are the same. It doesn't just have the single item times three. I actually get each one comes up individually for a total. <laughs> you should have asked for a gift receipt. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, it even when it, you get to the little bit about... Um, the Visit Toys R Us website to uh, you can tell them what you think. It actually has, tell us what you think about your store visit today. Then there's literally about an inch of white space and it says visit, followed hmm. by another inch of white space, the website. So, <laughs> right, well, I, I'm glad you spaced that out, you know, me with my weary eyes and all. 
Toys R Us fail red card of the week. And, and how many tweets would that take to put out, you reckon? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> uh, it does look like a complete waste of space, and uh, I think that's very deserved. So uh, coming up after that, we'll deserve fail, is our discussion topic of the week. Duke's in trouble! Scramble the Storm Eagle! I Joe Storm Eagle has a hidden water cannon that shoots up to 20 feet. But the Cobra Liquidator's making a splash, and the Parasite's launching catapult missiles. Mobilize the Patriot! It's the G.I. Joe Patriot with a huge mortar cannon that really fires! G.I. Joe Patriot, Storm Eagle, Cobra, Parasite, and Liquidator sold separately. I found the Barracuda! But Duke's gone! So glad you could join us! <laughs> Well, when we think of toy lines, there are many that come to mind. And uh, when we use the word great, it uh, narrows it down a little bit. But then there's the debate of what was the greatest toy line of all time. And everyone's going to have their favourites, and it's going to be based on, you know, when they were growing up and what their interests were at the time. So what we're going to try and do is uh, try to empirically measure what was the best. And uh, starting with this episode, we'll take a few turns look at a contender each time, and uh, eventually pit the finals against each other to determine the greatest. So this episode, we'll kick it off with uh, what I think a lot of people would say is a, a great contender. So contender number one, G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Yay! Yay! Oh, oh, I'm just sorry. trying to sound supportive for John. <laughs> Yo, Joe! Oh, oh. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know... What you what you have to have to experience is uh, building knowledge for these things, and uh, as I'm told frequently by a number of people, uh, knowing is half the battle. So uh, we'll start off with a manufacturer, and in this case, it's Hasbro. Um, that I don't think really sheds a lot of light on on much for us, but um, it tells you you know it, it's Hasbro. They're going to be around for a while. They've been around for a while, uh, so you're probably going to be able to keep getting these things for a while. Um, you know they've they've been around. These have been going for what twenty odd year, twenty thirty years, John. Yeah, well, I mean since eighty two, so you're looking thirty thirty years, right? Yeah. And if you actually consider that, you know, they're based on on the on the larger GI Joes. It's the fiftieth anniversary of GI Joe this year, I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a, a necessary. Um, distinction to make we're talking about the three and three quarter scale rather than any other scale um i was actually just going to say do you do you think that's one of the main contributors um to the popularity i mean when they first came out the the three and three quarter wasn't new star wars had already been doing it for a few years and, and the micronauts were around at the same time um but do you think just that um I don't know, it's a new and interesting sort of scale to see these figures in and, and obviously the, the price point would be a lot cheaper than, than anything in, say, six-inch scale. So was that sort of one of the contributors to that, that early interest, do you think? I, I think probably the, the two things that helped the interest were the comic book and the animated series. Um, mm. Now, for me, it was probably a little different because, you know, when G.I. Joe came out, I was, I was 
in grade school on an Air Force base. And so we were used to seeing guys in, you know, olive drab all the time. You know, but yeah. our dads were dressed that way. So for us, it was a little different probably. You know, I, I, I still remember the first time being in grade school, this kid pulling a G.I. Joe out of his pocket and going, oh, I saw these at the store. And, you know, mm. I think it was the laser rifle trooper. And, uh, you know, it, but knowing that they were like a, a soldier and, you know, we could relate to them a little better maybe than, than some of the other kids. But I, I think the definitely the comic book and the, the animated series were probably the, the main uh, start of, of interest. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think it's kind of important to note that this is probably one of the brands that made Hasbro. You know, uh, yeah. they probably wouldn't have... They probably wouldn't have Star Wars now. You know, they wouldn't have been able to do that if it hadn't been some for some of the success of G.I. Joe. Mm, and generate enough revenue to buy the, the Transformers license. Right. And then those kind of things kind of fell off on, you know, kind of fed each other for a long time there. Yep. Yep. Mm. So what was the, before the uh, comic and, and cartoon series came out, what was the, the general you know, G.I. Joe presence in the market like? Well, you you were in that era. I mean, the they all kind of happened at the same time. The the comic series and the um, the figures kind of came out at the same time. Before that, it was mainly, you know, the, the larger Joes. So this was a real change. But, you know, I think kids of my generation were, were so enthralled by Star Wars that, you know, the larger Joes were kind of looked down on. Um you know, that was something your big brother played with or, uh, you know, it, it's something you would see in garage sales and they were just considered old fashioned by us, us younger kids. You know, we wanted three and three quarter figures, um, just because we could have a lot of them. I was going to say bang for your buck is, is certainly something that, um, they have on their side. I mean, it's the sort of thing where when grandma would come to visit and she'd bring you something, um, the idea of getting three or four figures at once was uh, a pretty exciting idea. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, and I remember getting you know three or four Star Wars figures for sure at a time, which which wasn't unusual. Mm. Mm. But and I mean, speaking of, you know, we're looking at over five hundred figures, but even more remarkably, two hundred and fifty vehicles and play sets i don't think anyone else even comes close to that do they uh, you know i mean unless you consider transformers that might be about mm. the only thing you could say well vehicle wise there may be up around the same but in in the range is pretty good too because you know i talked about the the jump jetpack not that long ago which is a really small set you know you had some of the motorcycles and then you know, you can go all the way up to, you know, the Defiant Space Shuttle Complex and the, the Flag, which are huge sets. Um, yeah. You know, and everything in between. So, uh, no, we're not seeing those kind of large items in the modern line. But um, still, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive when you look at the, the breadth. It's not like, oh, they're all little $5, you know, add-ons to a figure. They're, you know, actual vehicles. So, it's pretty neat that way. Mm. And I mean, you've got, you know, it's really obvious you've got good guys, you've got bad guys, so you've got the immediate, uh, you know, for kids playing with toys, it's a clear, well, I've got to have some heroes, I've got to have some villains, so you're immediately setting yourself up for selling at least two figures at a go. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important, and, and that's why it was difficult, you know, with some of the, the older action figure lines, um, which didn't have that delineation. Um, but it, it's something that's obviously quite um, quite common now. Um, you know, Transformers, um, you know, you either support the Autobots or the Decepticons in Star Wars, you're either on the side of the Force or you're not. Um, and so G.I. Joe really nails it. You, you've, you've got someone to root for and, um, you know, you when you have action figures to, to root for, you, you know, you want them to be able to, to do something and, and what better um, something than conquering evil. Yeah. Yeah, that's... It's, you know, if you look at, uh, say, the black hole, which were almost the same articulation style, well, who were the bad guys in the black hole? Well, you had, you know, mm. you've got a couple of robots, but the there, there weren't really, you know, oh, it's a black hole. I mean, it's not like you can face off against that. Um, yeah. Same with uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. I mean, you had the, the Star Trek crew, but who were those figures facing off against? You know, mm. they didn't really have a villain to go up against. Mm. Absolutely, it's a giant cloud in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's definitely you know, as far as the pros go, that that's one that stands out to me. Mm. And they did a good job of um, really, you know, you didn't have a lot of repeats in in characters either. I mean, you know, I, there were certain characters you'd get in maybe a different outfit later on but um you know they really had a lot of breadth i mean you had a seal you had uh you know the snow troopers the the desert troopers you, you had this whole and they were all different people it wasn't like oh this is you know this is duke and desert this is duke and snow it was a completely different character so you know you were kind of compelled as a kid to go well i, I need one of them and one of them and one of them where if you know <laughs> you don't necessarily if you have one Luke Skywalker as a kid necessarily he'll maybe pick Han or somebody else over that instead of a Hoth Luke but um, you know and the same thing on the the Cobra side they, I think there's probably more fans of Cobra out there than there are G.I. Joe in some respects just because they, they have some of the more interesting characters uh, Storm Shadow for sure you know the ninja uh, that was kind of an interesting decision to bring to the line just because of the popularity of ninjas but back then were ninjas really as popular i i, I don't know you know what i mean it, yeah they people knew what they were but not to the extent they do today so mm -hmm. yeah good I, I suppose talk, talking about the pros uh, i think the file cards made quite a difference too it, it meant that kids could really relate a lot more to the character um, knowing as much information uh, as they did about them. Well, you know, I, I was listening to, I listened to a couple of different G.I. Joe podcasts and they were talking about that recently and they're all written, all the original ones were written by um, Larry Hama who wrote the comic book and, you know, he, he talked about not dumbing down his writing and the file cards aren't dumbed down either. You know, they, they talk yeah. about military specialties and, you know, what their combat skills are and what their psychological profile is. And, you know, they didn't look down at kids going, you know, oh, he can fight people. You know, it, it actually mm. had some stuff listed on it. And, um, 
you know, if it lists a weapon, you know, now if, if I had access to the internet back then, you know, I'd have been looking up every weapon that was on there. Oh, what's, you know, what's this gun? What's that gun? You know, what does it mean by Warsaw pack, small arms? I'd been looking all that stuff up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. um, They, they, they also had, um, you know, a hell of a lot of accessories and, and that kind of gear as well with them as well, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, that's... And you guys know me. I'm, I'm an accessory junkie, and my first G.I. Joe figure was Short Fuse. And the reason I picked him, he actually had more accessories than almost all the other figures that were on the pegs at the time. Um, mm. You know, he's got the helmet, he's got the visor, he had a mortar that was two pieces, and he had a backpack. So I was like, well, that's an easy choice. I'm going to get get that one, you know. Um, yeah, rather than the guy that just came with a gun or, or whatever. So, um, is is there another toy line that actually rivals GI Joe for for just sheer opportunity for accessories? Um, you know, the only one I can think of is probably it's a different scale. Would be, um, you know, the Muppets. They're probably the only ones yeah. I've ever seen come with that many accessories per figure. You know, in kind of mm. a mass market. Mm. But, um, you know, I, the, the cool thing is, is even with the modern G.I. Joe figures, they, they really try and include stuff that's relative to what they do. You know, yeah. you, you'll get extra weapons, you get a backpack, and, um, you know, it's not like they're just throwing stuff in there just to throw it in like, you know, some of the other uh, lines I think have done over the years. You know, oh, mm. well, this guy... Everybody in this wave is going to have a sword, you know, because it's it's, it's a ninja, you know, wave or whatever. Um, but the, you know, they've really they're really thought out well too, and, and some of them are just crazy. I mean, uh, the the low light that came out in you know recent times where he comes with a bullet, uh, you know, a single bullet. What what other toy line has ever done that at that scale? <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, one of the pros when sort of thinking thinking through you know, G.I. Joe for this particular episode, um, a real, I think they really need to be commended for their um, decision to include female characters. And when you sort of go back to 1982, it, it was not common to have strong female characters um, featured in toy lines, especially, you know, what would be considered a boy's toy line. Um, and we're not even talking background characters. We're not sort of talking a, a Lieutenant Uhura who kind of just sits up the back and answers the phone. Um, you know, with, with people like Scarlet and the Baroness, um, you know, these are the kick-ass chicks that sort of could take over. Yeah, I mean, even if you think about the military itself at that time, um, women weren't playing a huge role in the military at that time. So it's, mm. it's kind of unusual that they would even think like that. But... Uh... Yeah, I think that that was probably a, a good decision at the time and probably fairly forward-thinking um, yeah. as to what was to come. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that they've actually persisted with those characters and, and today they they still, um, you know, take that um, that sort of, I guess, focus in, in major lineups. Uh, I mean, I only own one three-and-three-quarter G.I. Joe figure and, and that's a Baroness. Um, because, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just a, a sucker for that sort of, um, that secretary chick in the, uh, the black leather. Hmm. Uh, she's probably one of my favorite, 
uh, of the Cobras. I have to yeah. say, yeah. And, and on the Joe side, I'm 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 a huge Lady J fan, so uh, that mm. was my you know, my side of it. But if you look at her figures, I mean, they've never been overly female looking. Her original one has a ball cap on, and you know, she looks very, very, uh, you know, military and look not not sexified really. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And certainly the the range and I mean obviously the depth and breadth of the figures uh, is is a real pro as well. They they've really not only exhausted every possible avenue with the the, the real life military, but they've sort of come up with some very clever um, um, sort of fictional extensions of the military and and sort of gone into that sort of elements of sci-fi, um, which they've pulled off quite well. Yeah, and the way I best heard it described is that five minutes into the future look. It's not like they've, you know, everybody carries a, you know, tiny laser pistol capable of, you know, leveling mountains. But, you know, you look at the original laser rifle trooper, he had a backpack that was huge, you know, that powered his laser rifle. It wasn't like they were thinking, no, well, this is going to be small, you know, handheld thing. And I really think they've carried that through. I mean, you look at the flamethrower, and he's got a realistic flamethrower, not some kind of just, you know little gun yeah. that represents a flamethrower and they've really they, they tried to put i think in in all other you know in the vehicles and everything some thought into well what would this really look like in the real world you know it's not just represented by some tiny little feature trying to make something as small and compact but really trying to make it look like it would work yeah exactly So, have we got any anything else anyone wants to throw down on the um, on the side of pros for this line? I, I think just really the you know the the accessibility of it. Um, you know, like I said, I, we all kind of looked at it. I think as kids, as you know, we saw people like that. You know, hey, there's a guy in uniform. Okay, here's a figure in uniform, and all of the characters. Because, like what you're saying with the file cards. I think kids could relate to it in a, this isn't a superhero. These aren't, um, people that are beyond the, you know, the, the normal abilities. I, I think that's the one thing about this line compared to like a, a superhero line or the star Wars line is that these characters were all, you could see them as real people versus, you know, Hey, this guy has laser vision or whatever. I mean, it wasn't like that. They were actually real people and you could relate to them in that way. And I, I think that kind of helped the line as well. Hmm. Hey, cool. All right. So now let's talk about what's not so good. And, um, I guess one of the, the first things that we, that needs to be asked is, um, how often have we got repeat figures here? Hey, repeat figures? Probably not a lot. Uh, reused molds quite a bit but like even in recent times i think they've they've done a clever job for the most part of okay yeah we're going to reuse this mold but we're going to reuse it in this way and repaint it so you you kind of get an idea of okay yeah it's there but it looks different um i, I think they've done a good job and, and i mean if you think about the military today most uniforms are are the same yeah, I mean it's it's not like you go and see you know twenty guys wearing twenty different uniforms. 
Um, but I mean, are we also talking about reuse of the same heads, just you know, hair painted different colors? The originals, you saw that more. I mean, the first twelve, I think there was probably only two or three different heads. Uh, but as they've moved on, you know, in the modern era, I, I, I think you, you've seen a lot more distinct heads. And even like the second and third waves, you started seeing more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm going to, talking of cons, I'm actually going to throw one in there and say uh, international accessibility, um, you know, availability. Um, obviously, there's the there's the whole American bent on the series. I mean, we're talking about a real American hero, um, which doesn't exactly, you know, doesn't exactly sell to international audiences. But uh, I have to say, I honestly... As a kid in Australia, do not remember seeing G.I. Joe on the shelves um, in, in the years since. Um, sporadically, they turn up. Uh, Toys R Us here in Australia will occasionally go through a phase where they might get some figures in, um, you know, and it's, it's hard to tell whether they're actually getting in the full waves or just assorted figures, and then they fade out and you don't see any. Uh, I probably haven't seen any on the shelf for... I mean, other than the movie figures, um, non-movie figures I haven't seen on the shelf for probably over two years now. And that's pretty common. I know um, Eric's, who writes reviews for, for TV and film toys, he um, he said the same thing. In Mexico, they don't see them unless there's a movie year, you know. And uh, so he's only seeing the movie figures as well. You know, in Europe, they were originally reissued, or in England, they were reissued as Action Force and kind of blended mm. that line. And, and there's been some other international, uh, like Brazil and India, have had their own kind of variations of G.I. Joe. So yeah, it, it's out there, but, um, you know, they, they, it, it kind of tied into one of my, my cons for the line, and it's the, the, the war connotation to it. Uh, it's military, so there's there's always this, you know, there's always people that are, hey, it's military, it means war, um, and they kind of stray away from that, and you know, to present it as an American, oh, here's an American aggressive military force. Well, no, if you really read the comic, that's probably not what it's about. But um, you know, I, I think internationally, people have strayed away or stayed away from it for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I I grew up. Um, I had a father who had served in the military. Um, uh, my father was always uh, had an interest in in firearms. Was a competitive shooter. Um, as, as a younger person, I became a competitive rifle shooter. So I've always had an interest in in firearms. And and as a kid, this line would have been perfect for me. I would have been hopelessly addicted and more than likely probably still a G.I. Joe collector today. Um, and, I mean, the reason I, I don't get into the line is, is I guess, that sort of, you know, obsessive-compulsive part of me would just want to keep getting more and more figures and more and more vehicles and, and you know, I'd be very quickly on the way to the whorehouse and as well as probably a divorce. Um, so, you know, I think it really is, um, a serious, um, a serious miss on Hasbro's part by not getting those into, um, international 
destinations. I mean, if there are any Australian listeners out there who can remember seeing lots of Joes uh, in you know the mid '80s on shelves, let us know. But oh, I certainly don't remember seeing them where I am. Yeah, I and I don't know if it's just the buyers. You know, did they not open it up? Did they go, oh, okay, hey, I'm. This is an American line. We're not going to, you know, send it out all over the world. Or were the were there buyers all over the world going, well, we don't want to buy it. Don't even bring it to our country. I, I'm not sure, you know, mm. which side of the the distribution chain that laid on. Um, you know, it, it's you know, are they just really conservative because they don't want to offend anybody? I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I was literally in Walmart this week. And I was walking down the, the boys action figure aisle and, uh, this, this little kid, I don't know. He was, you know, grade school. Um, there was a gun on the bottom shelf, you know, by the cap guns, some kind of rifle. And, and he went over and he was pulling the trigger. Cause that's why they leave those things. So you can do that. Right. You know, yeah. you can go up and down the mm-hmm. island and, and his mom's like, no, stay away from that. I, I don't want you touching that. I don't like those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understand very that. Common. I, I, I understand that, but you know, I grew up fine. You know, it's it's not like yeah. I, and, and you turned out fine mostly. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> hang on, I resemble that remark. But you know, we all had we all had play guns as a kid, and you know, that's just part yeah. of it. And yeah. and actually, if anything, we're probably making kids worse today by going, no, don't touch that. So when they finally do learn about it, you know, it, kids are always going to be drawn to the thing that you tell them no. You know, I mean, if, if you tell them no, don't play with that. What's the thing they're going to want to play with? Yeah. So I, I don't think that's the right avenue. And, and I wonder if some of that has happened to, you know, the international market where, you know, parents and people have said, oh, no, we don't want to bring that war toy in here. And, and I think even maybe to, to some extent in the U.S. even. Um, cause you don't see the, the big presence and, and Hasbro doesn't really push it. I don't think like they could. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I can't really think of any other cons. I mean, have there been many absolute howlers in the line or, you know, periods where it just seemed like you'd get a howler? With you, every... you got, you guys kind of got the, uh, the one there that, uh, I, I, the Sergeant Savage and his screaming eagles. Yeah, that was probably a miss. <laughs> um, the, the, there are some people that consider the, um, the, the Sigma six line, you know, that's even among GI Joe collectors, that's kind of a polarizing issue. Some people liked it. Some people didn't, it was a different take obviously than the three and three quarter, but, um, you know, it kind of filled the void while the, the three and three quarter line was kind of rebooting sort of, um, mm. You know, there, there's always every line, you know, especially one this size, there's always going to be misses, uh, you know, naming a character skid mark. That, that's probably a miss. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I suppose some of the cons would be um, some of the, the less impressive code names. Yeah, but, you know, I, I it's like every, you know, when you've got this many figures in a line, if if you don't like something there's enough other things for you to collect. I mean, I know people like on star Wars, they'll only collect say rebel pilots or astromech droids or, you know, they only Jedi's. collect rich uh, Jedi's or, 
you know, original control, you can, you can have a focus and still have a pretty cool collection. And you can do that here. You can say, well, I'm only going to collect Cobra military stuff or, you know, I'm only going to collect the 82 to, you know, 86 figures because those were the ones that I had as a kid. And, you know, I'm going to collect the modern incarnations of those. So you can really have a yeah. focus and, you know, if there's something you don't like, then, you know, maybe that's not your focus. You know, you don't, even though some people are going to go, well, I want to have them all. Yeah. I mean, but I don't, I don't think most collectors of GI Joe are like that. I think most of them are, you know, focused on an area and, and they collect what they like. Like I tend yeah. to stay, I tend to stay more to the true military stuff. I'm not a big ninja fan. Um, you know, I've got a Snake Eyes and I've got a Storm Shadow, but I, I don't go out of my way to get them. Um, you know, I've got a Cobra Commander, but, you know, I tend to stay with the regular Cobra Troopers. I'm not going to buy the real, the real out there ones. Um, that's just what I like. So I tend to stay towards the more, the more military side of it. Hmm. So what about, um, oh, okay, we talked about some of the pros and cons. What about, you know, um, pricing? For example, um, I mean, I, I don't see them here, but in the U.S., uh, can can you pick them up for a good price? You know, the the last line that was on pegs, you know, before this movie line, uh, you were looking at the the Pursuit of Cobra stuff, and for you know, you're paying eight to ten dollars, you know, pretty much that typical three and three quarter inch price point. But for what you were getting in the <laughs> typical for you, <laughs> yeah, typical U.S. price point, um, you know. But if you compare the amount of accessories to, say, a Star Wars figure, there, there's no comparison, you know, because you get like that low light figure has a backpack and a spotting scope and a, a sniper rifle and a case and, uh, and a bullet and you know all this extra goggles, all this extra stuff. Or you get a Star Wars figure that might have, what, one gun, two guns? Maybe. Mm. You know, for the same and price. Can you actually pick them up? Um, do, do you get retailers who, I mean, obviously there's the discounts during a sale, but do you, do you ever get the sort of buy two, get one free, or buy one, get one half off? You know, I've never went out of my way to look for those because pretty much if I see one that I want, I don't look for that. I, I, I think most GI Joe collectors are the same, but I, I mean, I'm sure that you can get those at like Toys R Us here carries them. So, you know, if Toys R Us has their, you know, Hey, action figures or buy one, get one half off that you're going to get it for yeah. that. They also yeah. did this thing with, um, what was the dollar general wave that came out last year where dollar general is kind of like a, a lower, you know, like a dollar store, but they have things between, um, you know, everything's a little lower priced and they had a wave that was $6 and it was mm -hmm. a figure and a, basically a gun, maybe two guns. So it, you know, but they had like a Cobra trooper in there. Well, if you can get a Cobra trooper and he was, he was suited up in black. So he actually looked pretty cool. But if you can get a Cobra trooper for six bucks for a three and three quarter figure, you know, people ate that up. Um, yeah. And they're actually talking, there might, there's a second wave of those going out right now, and uh, I know Entertainment Earth has some of them on pre-order. It's a set of six for thirty-one bucks. Uh, you can't, you can't beat that. Yeah, you can't beat that. So, you know, price-wise, I think they're they're a pretty good deal. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier about Castle Grayskull and licensing. 
Hasbro owns this license. It's theirs. You know, yep. they don't have to pay that licensing fee for the non-movie figures. So can they offer yep. a little more accessories and a little better, you know, articulation maybe than a Star Wars figure? I bet they can because of that reason. Hmm. So uh, are they actually available? How, how is the availability? I mean, have you always managed to get the figures that you want at retail or, or do you have to resort to, to going online and, and picking them up from someone like Big Bad or do you just pre-order? I, um, if you order them online, you can probably get just about anything you want. There's some, some other retailers. There's one not far from me where uh, you can order online from Kokomo Toys in Kokomo, Indiana. And um, they they have pretty – they're G.I. Joe friendly, I think, would be a good way to say it. Um, mm. and, you know, you can buy cases through Entertainment Earth. There have been a few figures I've never found at retail um, that I've wanted, but, you know, I, I'm not going to – say I've went out of my way to try and find them either, but um, retail's been real sparse, depending on where you're at. Uh, Target seems to be pretty good um, mm. for having stuff, and Toys R Us has really been pretty decent. Like, I can't really complain. Yeah. I think in the last yeah. few years, people have been able to get what they've wanted. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, I, I'm, I'm just I, sort of I, thinking... Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, just thinking as far as, uh, you know, for a line that's been around uh, as long as it has and, and given today's, um, you know, uh, use of social media and that, do you, do you think that Hasbro are responsive to fans? Um, you know, if there are figures that are difficult to find, do they ever look at sort of reissuing them in, in some sort of a group pack or... Do they look at releasing army builder sets to, to help people build up their armies? Like, do, you, do you think they're I, sort of... I think the Dollar General was a, a good way of them going, hey, we're going to put some army builders out there, you know, with the Cobra Trooper. And there was a Duke in that line that was fairly generic where you could consider him a green shirt, which is the generic G.I. Joe guy um, mm. name. But I, I really do think they listened to, to some of the fan probably more than than some of their other lines i i I think the people that work on gi joe at hasbro are gi joe fans and Mm. i think that's what makes the biggest difference is their fans i think they understand what they want and um i i I think they try and answer it I, i don't think that you know they always get the chance to but i think they really try to listen to what the fans ask for um, you know, yeah. there have been some things reissued where maybe they'll change it a little bit, you know, and improve it. Um, I'm thinking of like the, the Cobra Viper, the guy with the, the other guy with the metal face, the trooper version. Um, he, uh, you know, he had some issues. People didn't like him on some things on the first issue. So when they came out a couple of waves later with a, you know, uh, another wave with him in it, he, they had made some improvements. So I, I really do think they listen, and I think they understand, you know, what the fans are looking for, probably more than some of the other lines out there. It, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely a collector line, you know, and it, and that's probably its influences availability some because it's more of a collector line than a kid line, I, I think to yeah. some extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On that notion of it being collector line, what would your response be if Hasbro said? 
Um, yeah, subscription only for GI Joe. Well, you know, it's interesting because the the GI Joe Collectors Club is actually doing that right now, mm-hmm. and um, they've tried to to fill the void with some figures that Hasbro hasn't made. I I don't think they would ever go that way. I'd really have to look at it for what the cost was. I mean, if it was the the collector club figures are up, you know, around the twenty five dollar mark. I think if you get the subscription for twelve figures, hmm. would I do that? No, probably not. If they were ten bucks, maybe. You know, it, it would really depend on cost. I think for me, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I that I have different feelings on subscriptions though, so it's. It, it would be hard to say. Okay. Fair would, would I maybe would it would it maybe force me to go back and say, well, I'm not going to go forward, but I might go back and fill in my collection things that I maybe missed. Yep. Yep. Hmm. So, I, you know, no, sorry, Joe. I, I was going to say you guys had this question here about how's the line evolved with technology, and um, I really think it has. Um, you know, improve sculpts articulation. Cause you think back the, the first wave, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the first wave of GI Joe, they all had, uh, basically what they call straight arm, which means that they were, um, essentially like, uh, the black hole figures or the other Mego figures with the, the O ring type construction. But then with the second wave, they introduced what they called swivel arm battle grip, which was essentially, um, the mid bicep joint, you know, the swivel, in the bicep. Um, but even that's continued on. I mean, now we've got three and three quarters with, with ab crunches, um, ankle, you know, rockers from side to side. Uh, some of the, the modern figures, even I think, I think even the Joe Colton figure that I got recently has, uh, the articulated wrists with the, the hinges, but you know, one's hinged left to right and one's hinged up and down. So you can get, you know, you can get a little bit more realistic pose on a gun uh, if he's holding a rifle, say. So technology-wise and sculpt-wise, I, I think they've really stayed up and, and actually probably even set the bar in some cases for those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, as far as being a contender, what what would you say is the, uh, the coup de grace for G.I. Joe, the thing that says, you know, you, you can't help but look at this as, you know, a, a serious contender. I, I, I like what you guys have down here because you put the flag down. Um, it's probably not what I would pick. I would probably just pick the sheer number of characters and figures mm. available. But, um, I, I mean, you can't, you can't not look at the flag and go, that didn't get made for a line that people didn't love. You know, yep. even back back in 85, you can't say, oh, okay, they're going to make a, a, a seven-foot-long aircraft carrier, you know, for, for yeah. a line that people don't love I and mean, that the, the company itself doesn't love. Um, that's wrong. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I think that's a big part of it is I, I think there's a lot of love for the line. I don't know that the the marketing people see it because I think the marketing people it has for a lot of times look at it and go, oh, it's a war boys toy line and we just want to stay away from that. You know, we need fluffy, touchy, feely stuff. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't know, but uh, you know, it's it's that 
that soccer mentality where, oh, well, we're not going to have winners and losers. Well, you know, that's not real world either. Um, and I, I don't mean like professional soccer. I, I don't know if you guys have, you know, uh, kids leagues there that are like that. But here, you know, they have some kids leagues that are like that where, you know, you just go play and that's it. And, you know, it, it, even if you, you put a line out there and there's no good guys and bad guys, when kids play with it, there will be good guys and bad guys. Yeah. And yeah. they will be, and they will be fighting, you know, I, 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 why hide it? You know, that's how kids play. And I don't know. I, I, I think that the, the line unfortunately has got a lot of flack for things that, you know, people read into it that aren't necessarily there. You know, they try and put their own morality onto it and it's not there. It's just, it, it's how kids play and you know, it's what people want to collect. And I, I, I wish they would actually realize that and actually bring it back into something that was more in the forefront of their brand. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm, cool. All right. Well, I think, uh, we've had a good long chat there. I think we've established, I think the credentials for, uh, GI Joe's. Be interesting to see how it uh, stands up against the challenges that will f- it will face in coming weeks and months. <laughs> Indeed. Well, with that, we'll wrap up our, our uh, topic of the week and we'll come back in a moment with some feedback and then wrap up the show. Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on Earth are the most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection. Can it be the Supermobile on the attack, the Lexor 7 armed with kryptonite, but the Supermobile repel those deadly rays? You bet. Ready for battle. Activate Ram. New from Kenner's Superpowers Collection. Vehicles and figures with power action, each sold separately. Flying lessons for Penguin, fish bait for Luther. Can the Supermobile defeat the Lexor 7? You decide. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions, on future episodes, email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you may just hear it read out. Well, John, you've got our feedback for tonight, so over to you. Yeah, our feedback comes from David Carmichael. Uh, it looks like this is probably from Facebook, maybe. Um, says, I'm a big fan of your gentleman's podcast. Especially enjoyed the newest one about figure restoration and dealing with photo degradation. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks for the comment, David. I really appreciate hearing that. Uh, Glad to hear there were some people out there that really enjoyed that one. So, um, yes. thanks a lot. Hmm. Cool, excellent. Well, with that, guys, we're at the end of episode fifty-five. We're well into our second year's worth of episodes now, and mm-hmm. still going strong. Cool, been fun. Yes, indeed. Well, yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. No worries. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See Bye. you all. <laughs> Remember, have your pet spayed or neutered. <laughs> The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. 
While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. to you by the Big Top Network.